deliverance. It's who you are, Lord, and we give you thanks, Jesus. That's right. Come on, church. Who am I that the earth is
name tonight, amen? Whatever you need is, he's here.
Open up the heavens. same God that said let there be light and there was the same God that said the lion shall not touch Daniel in the lion's den the same God that gave direction of that stone from David's slingshot right through the forehead of the giant I don't know which challenge you're facing but I'm telling you the same God that was then is the same God now Father, we cry out to you right now. We cry out to you, Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We cry out to our God, the God that has risen people from the dead. Not just Jesus, but there's been others. And we thank you, God, for the promise of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. For the promise of eternal life. The promise of the Holy Spirit to give us power, to empower us, and to give us direction and correction and to be able to just fill us with knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Father, we pray tonight for those that are battling illness. We pray, Father God, for Fred Griego right now. Lord, reach down and just touch him. Give him a miracle. Give him back his sight. We pray, Heavenly Father, for Chris Hunt. He needs a miracle, God. Give him back his health completely. Curtis Lee needs a miracle, Lord. He needs back his his extremities, Lord, from this just horrible fall. Father, we're just believing, Lord, for many, many others that are battling illness. Some cancer, some COVID, some, Father God, operations that they're facing or they just had. We're praying healing and restoration. We're praying, Father God, a hedge of protection around all of our kids at campuses from pre-K all the way up to college. Father God, we pray, Father God, that the violence come to an end in this city. We're sick and tired of it, God. In Jesus' name, we claim back our city for Jesus Christ. And we say that the devil has no authority over Bernalillo County, over New Mexico. And God, we're going to believe that, Lord, you're going to give us peace back in the cities, peace back in the, in the streets. Lord, you're going to protect the first responders, law enforcement officers. You're going to protect firefighters and ambulance drivers and paramedics. You're going to protect those in the hospital, the nurses and doctors. Father God, just be with them. Father God, we pray that, Lord, you deliver people from the drugs and alcohol. People falling just in the streets of Albuquerque, falling over, some falling over dead. Father God, we pray that, Lord, there be a sweeping of your spirit. 
to set people free, a sweeping of your spirit to bring back the lost. Father God, the way you brought sense to the prodigal son, bring back sense to the people that are lost. Bring back our husband or our wife. Bring back our father or mother. Bring back our son or our daughter. Bring back our brother or our sister that are lost and backslidden. Father God, bring them back. Reconcile that which has been torn apart. Father God, that which only you could bring together, I pray that you do in the name of Jesus. Now, Father God, we're believing for a mighty move of your spirit, not just in this room, but for everyone watching online. Lord, you know what everyone's going through right now in their situation. God, reveal yourself to them right there in their room, wherever they're watching from. I pray that you make yourself known that, Lord, they're not just watching a program, but they're experiencing Jesus Christ and the power thereof. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. We welcome you. And we celebrate you in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is good to have you in the house of God. We want to say welcome, 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 welcome. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you came tonight because God's got a word for you.
Give it up, give it up. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what an amazing event uh, this uh, past Saturday at Mesa Verde Park with God's Warehouse and a lot of you that showed up to volunteer. We want to thank our volunteers. You know, those, those pictures that you guys saw up there, we didn't have anybody taking pictures, so we kind of stole them off some Facebook pages. Literally, and, uh, that's what happened. And we say uh, thank you for that. Um, so, hey, if you want to sign up for the volunteer, for the photograph team, that'd be awesome. Basically there. Hey, church, we want to welcome you into his presence. You know, we had asked for a lot of volunteers for worship. I think everybody signed up for worship team tonight because y'all were singing. Mm -hmm. Yes. So amazing, church. Um, my name is Michael Romero, your worship and arts pastor here at New Beginnings Church. My name is Chris Camarasa. I am a youth leader here at New Beginnings Church as well. And man, we want to welcome you into his presence. Uh, man, you received him and you were able to grasp the hold of him tonight. And we want to welcome those never miss the opportunity from, that are watching from home. Hey, church, uh, before we turn over the pulpit to our speaker tonight, we want to catch you up on a couple of things. Um, church, two amazing opportunities I really want to talk about tonight. One uh, is an opportunity for our students. And if you have a student that is in need of maybe some tutoring classes, maybe they need some help in, in specifically math and science. Yeah. We, we have an amazing, amazing opportunity for those sixth grade through the 12th grade. And if you want to sign up and you want more information on tutoring and how, who's our leader, it's going to be led by our sister, Brooke Williams. She's going to be leading that, uh, that group. Please, there's a, there's a QR code behind me that says, hey, connect with us. You can sign up for it there. You know how to connect with us via our app and our registrations page. And when you go to events, you'll see our tutoring page. If you need tutoring, if you have a student and you're part of our congregation, it's completely free of charge. Space is limited. Yeah. Amen. So yeah. we want to make sure that if you have that need, please, please don't be afraid to sign up because we'll get, and it begins September the 6th. Yeah. No, it, it certainly does. And, man, I just want to remind you, just kind of squeeze it in here really quick. There's three spots left for the retreat that we're going to be going to. Uh, I'm, not, I'm going to spare the details, but if you guys want to go ahead and check it out, too, the three spots that are available, I think there's 50 spots that filled up. A total of, 50, a total of 53 spots that are available for the men's retreat. That's yeah. going to be September 8th through the 10th. And it, we have three spots available, men of God. So if you're interested in that, please make sure and sign up for that. Again, and that's part of our registrations page on our app. Uh, if you want to go ahead and check that, this going to be an amazing opportunity. So if, you, if we've been talking about it for a little while, you kind of know most of the details. If you want more details, you can go to our app and, figure, and um, rather uh, get all the information there. Yeah, that's all going to be and there. Church, the second opportunity I want to talk to you about is on November the 4th. Here's a save the date um, specifically for maybe not just, it's not exclusive for couples and married couples, uh, but... If you're a married couple or maybe know of some married couple or maybe one day you want to be married and you want to find out some awesome biblical values on marriage, November the 4th, we're going to be hosting here at New Beginnings Church Intentional Marriage Date Night. And that's going to be hosted by Dr. Randy Carlson. And that's going to be yeah. live here in person here at New Beginnings Church. Yeah. You know what? And I found out a little bit about uh, the doctor himself. That's right. And you know what, guys? Pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. Five books. He's an author. Um, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist with a doctorate in counseling psychology and over 26 years of counseling experience. I'm probably not going to have a resume like that ever. But 
this guy, you never know, Chris. You never know. You never know. Um, but guys, this guy is going to be leading that night. And you know what? There's actually going to be an exclusive pre-sale of tickets. Um, there's actually going to be a 25% off of general admission tickets if you use the code LOVE whenever you go ahead and check out uh, on our app or website. Right. And I'm telling you, it's, ah, it's November. It's going to come. Eventually, like, look, we're already around the corner for the men's retreat. It's going to come. And eventually, you're going to be like, man, I really wish I learned about marriage. Because, guys, let me tell you, especially coming from youth, there's a lot of kids, a lot of kids that their source of life, their source of how they act and their character comes from the home. It's super important to keep that foundation sturdy because if it's not, there's a lot of things that are going to be hard to deal with later in life. Amen. So, church, we encourage you, you know, that that pre-sale that is actually, let me add a little bit more to that if I could, Chris. Yeah. That's exclusive to New Beginnings Church. So because wow. we're hosting it here, they said we want to bless the congregation that's allowing us to use a facility. You and I get to take advantage of that. That QR code is behind me. Uh, you want to go ahead and point your camera now? You can. Uh, and purchase that. Remember that 25% off is good for the general admission ticket. It's not for any other circle or VIP circle that they have. They have a couple other levels. But they also, but that's specifically for general admission for those watching from home. That graphic is uh, available for you in front of you on your screen. Go ahead and scan that QR code and purchase your marriage conference tickets here with Dr. Randy Carlson. If you've ever listened to Family Life Radio, you know exactly who Dr. Randy Carlson is and what he does. And his number one vision is always to further the kingdom, but also to, of course, strengthen marriages and couples. And so, family, that QR code and that pre-sale um, discount for us is available through the 27th of this month. And so that really is till Sunday. So don't wait too long because also we have some limited space. We have after the 27th, it's going to be open to the city at large. So get your tickets now if that's something that you want to take care of, okay? Amen. So while you're in that app, okay, we want to remind you to always stay on top of uh, all of our events and make sure that you join our events. We have a men's conference coming up with Soldiers of the Cross. Uh, so men of God, not only do we have a men's retreat, but we also have Soldiers of the Cross. We have a sisterhood potluck coming up, our men's breakfast, the second Sunday of every month. Those are things that you guys want to stay in touch of and always be remember, or rather remember those awesome events of fellowship that we have here at church. And while you're there, that bottom right-hand corner, that little heart, tell us what that little heart is all about. Well, hey, guys. I found out that the heart, it does something, and it's actually to go ahead and tithe. Guys, there is so many opportunities to go ahead and tithe. You can do it online, through the app, and you can also, um, you can also do it uh, by giving physically in envelopes uh, at the boxes that we have at the entrance of the sanctuary. So, guys, we could not do it without you, and that's coming from the heart. That's right. You know that amazing opportunity, that outreach event that we had at uh, Mesa Verde Park with God's Warehouse is possible because of your obedience. And always you go over and above your obedience. We are such a giving church, and we thank you so much for that church. Can we, one last time, celebrate what God is doing through your obedience and your giving? Thank you, church. So, church, thank you so much. Pastor Richard, we turn it over to you, my brother. guys are always so kind. I always thank God that you all clap at the beginning because I wonder if you're going to be throwing things at me at the end, you know. (laughs) 
Guys, you know what? God has called us to make disciples. He has called us to win a lost and dying world for Jesus Christ. And one such person came through our doors and rededicated his life to Christ and was broken and hurting and went through the program of under his construction and went through our 12-step program and ended up going to UNM, graduated with his master's out of the Anderson School of Business, ended up rededicating his life to his wife, and they remarried after being divorced because God restores lives. And now he's a pastor in Benton Heights, Michigan. He's a graduate of under his construction. He's been sent out from New Beginnings Church. He's here with us today, unfortunately, because it was a death of a close friend of his, but fortunate for us to be able to hear what God has laid on the heart of Jaime Cervantes. Would you welcome Pastor Jaime? Good evening, church. Before we get into the word, because we got quite a bit of ground to cover tonight, I'm going to do something that I do every time that I come here, and that's this. I'm going to say, welcome to New Beginnings, and you're going to say, the best place to be on a Wednesday night. Got it? Let us try it. Welcome to New Beginnings. That sounded good, right? See? <laughs> let's pray. Let's get into the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for just for the opportunity to gather here tonight, God. And Lord, you've already heard our voices through the worship and the praise, but now it's time for us to hear your voice. So my prayer, God, is that you would calm our minds, prepare our hearts so that we can receive what it is that you have for us and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I was talking with Pastor Mansfield a few days ago. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be in Michigan. And he's like, really? That's great. Can you preach? I said, sure. What do you want me to preach on? So he said evangelism. And I said, what's that? Actually, I I didn't say what's that. So that's what the topic tonight's going to be. It's going to be evangelism. And the uh, sermon is titled, Time to Reach the City. Time to Reach the City. So evangelism. What is evangelism? I'm really glad that you asked. Here's a simple definition for you, okay? Evangelism is spreading the gospel by public preaching or by personal witness, okay? So church, evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus using two different methods, either by preaching or personal, your testimony. Now, listen to me when I say this. Generally, believers, Christians, we love evangelism as long as someone else is doing it. If we're honest, you know what? A lot of us struggle with sharing our faith, whether, whether we're embarrassed, maybe we're a little shy, you know, you're one of those shy people, or you're afraid, but whatever the reason, sharing our faith is actually really hard for a lot of us. Look, we know that it's important. We know that, that, that we should do it. We know that God wants us to do it. We know that the world needs it, but we struggle to actually carry it out. And yet, If you really stop and think about it, none of us would be here tonight if it weren't for evangelism. If it, you listen, at some point, at some time, there was someone somewhere who told you about Jesus, who shared the gospel with you, either by public preaching or by personal witness. Look, a lot of times when when we think about evangelism, and I, I have to say this, you know what we think about? We think about like someone like 
Billy Graham, or we think about somebody like, I don't know, Richard Mansfield, right? Or, or some other famous preacher. And the, and, the, and the problem with that is then, then that becomes our idea of what evangelism is. We look at the evangelist, and, and that becomes our idea of evangelism. And as a result, we think that evangelism is something that pastors and preachers do, and we don't see evangelism as something that we all are supposed to do. Look, we can't all do the public preaching thing, okay? I get that, but we can all tell people what Jesus has done for us. And so based on this definition of evangelism, sharing and spreading of the gospel is the responsibility and within the ability of every single believer. Amen? Our text for today is found in the Old Testament book of Jonah. But before I read it, I want to give you a little bit of background on Jonah, on his book, and on his story. It's a very popular story. And it's popular because in the story, there's this really incredible thing that happens. This giant fish swallows Jonah and holds him for three days. And then he spits him up on a beach somewhere. And because of this, church, many people have dismissed the book of Jonah as a work of fiction. A lot of people will tell you that it is actually a fable. Some people will tell you that this story is a fairy tale. Now look, if you feel this way, if you just can't believe that something like that happened, let me help you out a little bit. Let me show you, let me give you something that I want you to consider. So I want, we're going to go to the very first verse in the very first chapter in the very first book of the Bible, which is Genesis 1-1. And I want you to read this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now hear me out. If you believe this, if you really believe that God created everything out of nothing, then why is it so hard to believe that Jonah was in the belly of a fish? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If, look, what I'm saying is that if you believe Genesis 1-1, if you believe the very first verse in the entire Bible, then every single verse that comes after it is actually not that hard to believe. Even if it seems very improbable, and it is, it is not impossible because with God, all things are possible. Listen, if God can did that, then he can do anything else. Are you with me? Okay. And one more thing. Most fables, most fairy tales, they start with the words once upon a time or or something like that, but not Jonah. Look how the book of Jonah starts. We're going to jump in right now. Chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts this way. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Listen, church. That means that everything that comes after that is the word of God and not a fairy tale. So with that in mind, let's read it. Verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. So the Lord gave this message to Jonah. And this is how we know that Jonah is actually a prophet, because God speaks to him directly. And so here, we're told that God has a message. He's got some instructions for Jonah. And the instructions go something like this. He's like, look, Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, and I want you to evangelize the people there. Announce my judgment against them. Call them out on their sins. Tell them to repent so that they can be saved. So what does the man of God, what does the prophet of Israel do? 
Well, look, the answer's in verse 3. He says this, But Jonah got up, and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So, God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah says no. He actually refuses. And why? Listen, the answer's simple. Jonah was prejudiced, and Jonah despised the people of Nineveh. So the question is, why was Jonah prejudiced? Why did he dislike the people of that city so much? Here's the answer. Because the Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. And Jonah can't accept or even comprehend why God would want to reach and evangelize those people. But God's reason is simple. It's this. God says, I created them. They bear my image. They are made in my likeness. And even though they are the enemies of my people, I love them too. In fact, I love them so much that I can't stand the thought of living without them, Jonah. And I need them and they need me. Jonah, I need you to go and I need you to tell them that. Church, that's the heart of God. God wants to reach all people, and especially the lost people of the city. And that's why God tells Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. But Jonah got up, and he went in the opposite direction to get away from God. Look, God says go. God says go that way, and Jonah goes that way. It's literally the opposite direction. And you laugh, but let me tell you something. Let me ask you something. Have you ever done that? Has God sent you one way, but for whatever reason you go the other? Has God told you to do something, but then you end up doing the opposite? You know, God says, hey, do it this way, but you go, no, I think I'm going to do it that way, God. Or, or have you ever done that? Are you doing it now? God says, this is bad for you. I don't want you to do that, but you think, you know what? I think I'll have seconds of whatever that is. You know, God says, hey, don't go there, but you don't just go there. You stay there. You do the opposite of what God asks you to do. So hear me when I say this, church. All of us, all of you, you're either moving toward God or you're literally moving away from God. So you need to ask yourself right now, in what direction am I moving? In what direction is my life moving in this moment in time? Are you moving toward him or are you moving away from him? Jonah is clearly moving away from him. Jonah was going in the opposite direction. Jonah was running from God. His turning from God was really drastic, as you can see, right? He ran from God. But you know something? It's not always so obvious when we do it. For some of us, it's not really sudden. It's really subtle. We talked about this yesterday, UHC. Let me put it this way. Some people run from God, but some people just drift away from him. For some of us, it's a slow, and it's this real, you know, gradual move away from him. You know what? It starts like this. You start missing church here and there, right? You start, you start reading your Bible less and less. You start dating someone who's not a believer. You know, he's, after all, he's such a nice guy. Or, or, you, or you start by, by drinking a little bit, or, or you start by smoking a little bit, because after all, it's legal, isn't it? It is. You start listening and watching stuff you know you shouldn't, because, you know, it's just entertainment. 
It's not going to hurt me. Or, or you start compromising a little bit here or a little bit there, and all of a sudden you're drifting. And pretty soon, you don't even know where you are anymore. And before you know it, you've already drifted halfway to Tarshish. You, could, you can certainly run to Tarshish, but make no mistake, you can also drift there too, really slowly. But let's move on. So God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no. He goes to the port city of Joppa. He gets on this boat, and he heads in the opposite direction. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Okay, so this is where the story becomes kind of an action movie. As the ship is headed to Tarshish, they get caught in a storm. But church, it's not just some regular storm. This is one of those once in a hundred year kind of storms. And how do I know this? Well, because the text gives us some clues. Verse 4 tells us that this storm was so bad that this boat is breaking apart. And then verse 5 tells us that the sailors were so afraid that they start crying out, praying and shouting to their gods. And keep in mind, these are sailors. These guys are on the water 24-7. They see storms all the time. This is nothing new to a sailor, and yet they are afraid. Listen, let me, let me give you some advice. You're going to want to write this down, I promise. Get, put this down. Write it, write it down. If you're on a ship, if you go on a cruise, and you guys get caught in a storm, and you see the captain and all the sailors crying and praying, that's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should probably start crying and praying too. Join them. That's what's happening here. The, the scene's really chaotic. And, and while all this chaos is going on, where is Jonah? Sleeping. How is this possible, right? How can Jonah possibly sleep right now? And honestly, I, I thought about it. I, 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 I looked at commentaries. I can't explain to you how. But here's what I can tell you. And I can tell you this from experience. Running from God will get you tired. Running from God is absolutely exhausting. And some of you know this firsthand. Some of you here today are doing it right now. You're running. Or maybe you're just drifting away from God and you are carrying what feels like the weight of the world on your shoulders and you are absolutely exhausted tonight. If that's you, I have... The, Really, really good news for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus says this. Come to me, all of you who are tired and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me, not away from me. Run to me. Don't run away from me. I want to help you. God loves you. Stop running. And re the rest and the relief that you need for your life tonight is found in Jesus Christ. Verse 6, let's move on. So the captain went down after him. He says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? So just picture this, okay? The scene is total chaos. Jonah's sleeping and the captain comes over and he's like, hey, how can, how can you possibly be asleep right now? Get up, pray to your God. And then the men, the sailors, they decide to cast lots 
to see whose fault it is. Listen, casting lots, it's like rolling dice or like flipping a coin. And so they do that, and it lands on Jonah. And so they start asking him all kinds of questions. They're like, who are you? Where are you from? What's your favorite color? Why is this happening to us? Verse 9. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really write that down. <laughs> so Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Let me just pause here for a second, because this is a remarkable statement. You know who believes Genesis 1-1, that God made heavens and the earth? Jonah. Clearly he believes it. He says, I worship the Lord, the God, of heaven, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Listen to me, this is huge. Because if Jonah's God is the maker of everything, including the sea, then that means he can control the sea, and that would come in handy right about now, don't you think? Verse 10, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. So these guys were already already afraid before, but now the Bible tells us that they're absolutely terrified. And so they asked Jonah, what have you done? Verse 11, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me in the water, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. So church, the storm is getting worse and worse, and they asked Jonah, What can we do to stop this? Tell us how to fix it. And Jonah says, throw me in the water. This is all my fault. I'm the problem. Just throw me into the sea. Friends, Jonah has officially given up completely. He's given up, he's depressed, and he's kind of suicidal if you really think about it. Listen, that can happen to us. When we get far from God, the further and further, the more I run from God, the more I can find myself this hopeless. Let me tell you something. Running from God is not only tiring, it is also very, very painful. Running from God is painful. And when we are tired and when we are hurting, we sometimes feel like giving up, don't we? Tell me, Can you relate to this? Have you ever felt this way? Are you in a dark place right now like Jonah was? And if you are, I have good news for you too. There's a way out of this. There is hope. You can turn the ship around. And and that is literally what Jonah should have done. That's what he should have said. He could have just said to them, "You you know what, guys? If we turn the ship around and we start heading right in the right direction, the storm will calm down. The reason this is happening is because I'm running from God. But if I just start running toward God, the storm in my life will calm down. That was the better answer. That's what he should have said. Because Jonah's disobedience was the cause of this storm. Man, disobedience always comes with the storm, church, every single time. Brothers, sisters, let me tell you something. There is always a storm attached to your disobedience. Sin will bring terrible storms into our lives always. You know what the worst part is? That sometimes the storms, and and some of you need to hear this tonight. I know you do. Sometimes the storms we are in are caused by someone else's disobedience, by someone else's sins. And that's what we see here. Just think about it. These sailors 
They're in this storm because of Jonah's fault. And some of you have been in a storm all your lives because of something someone did to you when you were a child. Some of you are in a storm because of your spouse was, spouse was unfaithful to you. Some of you are in a storm because of someone else's addiction. Church, when we run from God, the forecast is never, ever good. It is tiring and it is painful to the point that we want to give up just like Jonah, which is just, just throw me overboard already. I'm the problem. And if I just disappear, if I die, then everyone else's life will be better. You're better off without me. Careful with thinking that way. Don't you believe that? That is a lie. The world is not better without you. We are not better without you. Your church is not better without you. Your friends and your family are not better without you. God loves you and you can turn it around. So if you're tired and you're hurting, run to Jesus. His arms are waiting for you now. Jonah says, just throw me overboard. And look how, how they respond. Sailors are probably thinking he's crazy. They're, so this is what they do. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to try to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, to Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die because of this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve him. So before the men throw Jonah to their credit, before they throw him into the water, they try everything in their power to save him, right? They do everything they can to get back to land, but nothing works. And so they get to the point where they have to decide. Either Jonah goes into the water, or we all go into the water. Either Jonah dies, or we all die. But before they threw him into the water, they actually prayed to God. To, you know, the real God. They offered a sacrifice, and they made a commitment to the Lord. These men turned to the Lord, not away. Jonah didn't, but the men on that boat turned toward the Lord. They got saved in every way. And as soon as Jonah goes into the water, the storm just stops. And then this incredible thing happens. Verse 17, to finish off chapter 1, says this, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. God the one who created everything, sends a great fish to save Jonah's life. God doesn't give up on Jonah, even though Jonah had already given up on himself. And that, my friends, is a perfect picture of God's heart. He never, ever gives up on us, even when we have given up on ourselves. No matter how much or how far you run, God will always pursue us. No matter how low we go, no matter how high we get, no matter how far we've gone, no matter how broken we are, God will pursue us. He always pursues us. He cannot stand the thought of living without you. That's the gospel. And the people in our city need to know that. That's why evangelism is so important. So, 
as Jonah's sinking, as Jonah's drowning, God sends this huge fish to save his life. And I just want to point something out here. I want to remind us of something. Who sent the storm? God did. And who sent the fish to save Jonah? Well, God did. And at this point in the story, he's in the belly of a fish. And I just want to say this because this applies to a lot of us. God saved his life, but he hasn't saved Jonah from his circumstances. Are you with me? Friends, look, a lot of us can relate to this. We get saved, but our life still has some work to do, right? We get saved, but but we still find ourselves in difficult circumstances. We get saved, we let Jesus into our lives, and but things aren't exactly perfect. We get saved, but we find ourselves in the belly of the fish. I'll say it this way. You're not where you are, right? But you know you're not where you used to be. You're somewhere in between. You know, you're not drowning anymore, but you're far from dry land. That's where Jonah is. He's in between. He's in the belly of the fish. So let's jump into chapter 2. we got to get through this fairly quickly. It says this. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Let me just pause for a moment there, okay? This is the first time in the entire story where Jonah actually prays. Listen, when God asked him to do something he didn't want to do, Jonah should have prayed. When the storm was raging, he absolutely should have prayed. When the captain begged him to pray, Jonah should have prayed. When they threw him into the water and he was drowning, Jonah should have prayed. But he didn't. Think about it. It's not until he finds himself in this cold, dark, uncomfortable fish, smelly fish, I'm sure, that Jonah decides to pray. I guess the lesson is better late than ever. I don't know. Friends, why would Jonah wait so long to talk to God? Think about it. Why would Jonah wait so long to talk to God? Why do we wait so long to talk to God? Why is God often the last person that we call? Why is, it, why is prayer often our last resort instead of our first reaction? We need to pray first, and we need to pray often. Let's go on. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me, I called out to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Verse 2 says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Like I said earlier, God saved Jonah's life, but he hasn't saved him from his circumstances or his troubles. Jonah finds himself in this very desperate situation, and it's out of this desperation that he prays. Let me tell you something, church, and and I know it's going to sound, well, I'll just say it. Desperation is a gift. It doesn't feel like one, but it is. Because when we hit rock bottom, when we find ourselves alone in the belly of the fish, when we get desperate, that is often when we cry out to God. That is often when we realize just how much we need God when we're desperate. Let me say it this way. You don't realize that God is all you need until God is all you have. Jonah says, I cried out to the Lord. He heard me and he answered me. Cried out. I cried out, he heard me, and he answered me. Brothers and sisters, no matter where we find ourselves, God hears, and he always answers our prayers. But let's move on, verse 3. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I really want to focus on the beginning of verse 3. It says, you threw me into the water, which is kind of a weird thing for Jonah to say, because wasn't it the sailors who threw Jonah into the ocean? Yes, but you know what? It was God who was behind it. It was God who allowed it. 
God acknowledges this. This was God's storm. He sent it. And these are God's waves. He sent them. And this is God's fish. He sent it to swallow Jonah. Why? Here's why. Because God is disciplining Jonah. And he's doing it because he loves Jonah. Friends, God always disciplines those that he loves. If God didn't love you, he would not send and allow corrective storms into your life to get you back on track. God disciplines all of those that he loves. And it's not something he likes to do. It is something that he sometimes has to do. And those of you that are parents here tonight, you understand this well. Look, Proverbs 3, and I don't think I have a slide for it, says this. Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child that he loves. But let's move on. Verse 5. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Okay, I have to say this. I can't let it go. Verse 5, Jonah says that the waters closed over him and that seaweed wrapped around his head. Let me ask you, I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised there, so I know all about the beach there. Have you ever gone to the beach? You're in the water, and then seaweed touches. Forget about wraps around you. It just touches your leg. It is so gross. And it's kind of scary. Listen, anything touches my leg, I think it's a shark. Like, that's where I, if seaweed wraps around my leg, oh man, it's a wrap. I am running out of the water. True story. <laughs> Just picture this. Jonah says that the waters are closing in over him, that, to, that there's seaweed wrapped around his head, and, and he's at the root of the mountains. That means he's at the bottom of the ocean. Jonah is literally hitting rock bottom. That's where his disobedience and his despair has landed him. Brother, sister, I don't know what's going on in your life. I really don't. I don't know what storm you're going through, what storm you already went through, or what storm you will go through. What I do know is that there's hope. And Jonah identifies his hope. He says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. You are the one who rescued me, and you're the one who brought me back from the dead. God's not just rescuing Jonah. In a sense, he's resurrecting him too. And some of you here this evening, you know what you need? The resurrecting power of Jesus Christ at work in your life. We need God to resurrect some of those dead things in our lives. We need him to resurrect us. We need him to resurrect our marriages. We need him to resurrect our families, to resurrect our health, our recovery, our career, and our city. We need God to resurrect it in Jesus' name. We need him to resurrect the important relationships in our lives that are sitting at the bottom of the ocean tonight. God alone can rescue, and God alone can resurrect us. Verse 7. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in the holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with song of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Again, verse 7 reminds us that no matter where we are, no matter how far away we are from God, no matter how deep we have sunk in our lives, God always hears and God always answers prayers. And then verse 8 says, 
those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. You know, one of the biggest problems with God's people, I'm talking about Israel, was idolatry had made its way into their lives. Hear me out. And an idol is basically anything in my life that takes the place of God. Anything you worship, anything you look to to help you, anything you put before God in your life is an idol. So my question for you tonight is this, which are the idols in your life? What are the things that you are putting before God? Is is it a person? Is it a relationship? Is it a substance? Is it a bottle? Or is it yourself? That's a really popular one. Boy, we love we. We love us some me, don't we? Brother, sister, if you want God's saving grace, then you need to give God his place. Remember the cap, you remember that captain and that crew earlier? When the storm came, they began to pray to their gods, to their idols, and none of those things helped. Remember that? But as soon as they turned to the Lord, to the God of Jonah, to the living God, the creator of the universe, they experienced, literally experienced the salvation of God. They were literally saved when they looked up and they turned to God for help. And when they experienced God's mercy, it tells us that they gave thanks and they worshiped and they committed themselves to God. And Jonah does the same here in verse 9. What we see up to this point in the story as we wind down is this. We see growth. In Jonah, what we see here is change happening in this man. Jonah is able to grow through it while he goes through it. Did you hear me? Some of you are going through it, but you got to try and go grow through it while you go through it. And what has changed is not Jonah's circumstances. He is still inside of this fish. What has changed is Jonah himself. The circumstances outside of Jonah are still not good. But inside of Jonah, we see a change for the better. We see growth. And that brings me to my final point. And this is where it ties into evangelism, church. Hear this new beginnings, church of God. Before God can do a work through you, he needs to do a work in you. Before he can use you to reach and to change the city, he has to change some things inside of you that are broken. Church, you know why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh in chapter 1? He wasn't ready. God had to do a work inside of Jonah's heart. And the same goes for us. Before God can work through us, he has to work in us. Now, don't get me wrong. God can still use you right now to share your faith, okay? Listen, if God can use this sleepy, disobedient, rebellious prophet to reach all those guys on the boat, then he can use us too. Listen, if God only used perfect people, nothing would ever, ever get done. God uses broken people all the time. You know why? That's all he has to work with. But, but, the point remains. Don't laugh, Pastor Cindy. (laughs) I'm trying to be serious here, Pastor. (laughs) Listen, before God can do a mighty work through us, church, he needs to do a work in us. Let's finish the passage with the last verse. Verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. Again, yuck. Jonah grows up, and then the fish throws up. How about that? (laughs) And Jonah's now back on dry land. The storm is over. Jonah's no longer in the belly of the whale. And now 
he has quite a story to tell, don't you think? You know what we call that? We call that a testimony, don't we? He's got a testimony to share now. Now Jonah's ready to evangelize. He's ready to go and reach the city of Nineveh. And if you keep reading your Bible, that's exactly what he does. In chapter 3, he goes to Nineveh, and the city turns toward the Lord. I want to end with Matthew 4, 19. Look what, look what Jesus says. This is for all of us. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. First we follow Jesus, and then we catch some fish. We catch them. He cleans them. But first, but first, he has to clean us. First, he has to do a work in us before he can do a work through us. And so, brothers and sisters, God wants to do something through you. Are you willing to let him? And do you want to start tonight? We're going to pray right now. And as you're sitting there, first thing I want you to know is that the altar's open. If you're here tonight, and you know that you are drifting or you have drifted far away from God, and you're going in the opposite direction that he is going, I want to pray for you. Come forward. The altar's open. If you are here tonight, and you are in a storm, that you, maybe you didn't even cause the storm. It's somebody else's fault, but you're in the storm nonetheless, and you're tired, and you're heavy laden, and you're burdened, and you are in pain, and you feel like giving up. The altar's open. I want to pray for you. Please come to the altar. If you've given up hope, I want you to know that you can turn it around tonight. You can turn the ship around. The water's not your only option. You can turn it around tonight in Jesus' name. You can do this. And if you're here tonight and you want to serve God and you say, Pastor, I really want to be part of, I want to share Jesus with other people, but I know that God has to do a work in me first. Come forward, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. If any of those things fit you, I want to pray for you. Raise your hands. God bless you. God bless you. All of our hands should be up. I don't know if you got the, thank you. Thank you, sister. God bless you. Your hands are up. I'm going to pray for us. Um, if we got people that can come up and pray with our brothers and sisters, let's do that. And as we're worshiping, if you decide you need to come forward, I want to meet you up here and pray for you. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord for this incredible word. And thank you for our brother Jonah that helps us to see that you are patient, that you love us, that you pursue us, God. Lord, we know that you are the God who has a heart for the city. We know that our city, Albuquerque, needs Jesus so, so badly right now. And we know, God, that you're calling us to go and share the gospel with the people of the city. But God, before you can do that work through us, you first have to do a work in us. And God, as we look inward, we recognize, God, that we're broken, that we're needing, that we're rebelling against you, God, that we're doing some of the things in our lives do not belong there. And I pray tonight in Jesus' name that you would break chains tonight, that you would break addictions tonight, that you would break disobedience tonight, God, that you would point it out and that we would leave it at the altar in Jesus' name. My prayer, God, is that New Beginnings Church would be a church that evangelizes the city of Albuquerque. God, would you start the revival here with the fire that come, that races across the city? Start at this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness.
mightily used Jaime tonight to challenge us and speak to us. This is the kind of message that every one of us has to respond to. Sometimes we come into a service and we think, oh, that wasn't for me. I'm telling you, every time the service is for us. But tonight, God is saying, what is it that's separating you from me? What is it that you're running from? What's the mess you're stuck in? What's the vision he needs to renew? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a supernatural move of your spirit for all of those watching online. Some of them don't have anyone around them to reach out to and touch. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, touch them, encourage them, embrace their hand, and let them know you have heard their cry. For everyone in this sanctuary, Father God, let them turn to someone and say, just pray with me. I feel so broken. I feel so empty. I feel so isolated. I feel so alone. I want to come back, and I don't know how. Father God, bring back the prodigal. Let them know how welcome they are, how loved they are. Father God, let us be renewed tonight. Renew the calling and the vision, for your call is irrevocable. So I pray that, Lord, you renew the vision and calling in our life, that we would leave here in the fullness of that calling, rededicated to you. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's people shout out, Amen. Shout out, Victory! Victory is ours, Amen. God bless you, church. Greet someone on the way out, encourage them.